Amen. You know, all the things that you saw in that video, I, I could almost guarantee, maybe I'm wrong, but every single one of us have at least one of those things going on in our life. Give me a shout if that's probably true. We've all got stuff that we've got to deal with. And, and uh, um, I, I've been telling you in this series that the, the bag itself, it, I know that we call it baggage, but you understand that, you know, your luggage or your baggage, it is only that because of what you put in it. Does anybody go and, hey, I'm going to check this empty bag, you know, um, or J12, or I always call them J12, or preteens, heading off to preteen ministry. Um, but we have a bag, and it's not a bag simply because of, of what, you know, it is made with, but rather what goes in it. And, and baggage itself is not bad. Aren't you glad that you can take a suitcase with you when you go on a trip? Come on, somebody. I'm glad that I've got something I can put my clothes in, certainly my toiletries, you know what I mean, right? And of course, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're traveling light, you know, uh, the TSA makes you just pull all that stuff out and, you know, throw it out there. Um, but, but in that, the thing it, that I've been saying about in this series is that when we take those with us that I, I use that we have, you know, if you will, a check bag and it goes in the body of the plane and you, have, you can do a carry-on and you can put it in the overhead bin and then there's a, the idea of a personal item. Last week I talked about that. And I, and I talked about that really when it comes to our life, it's kind of like our heart, our mind, and our emotions tend to be where we pack stuff, where we, 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 we put the things in our life for the journey that we're on, right? Sometimes our emotions can get the best of us and what you know is, is you've got some things that you've packed in, in the life bag of emotions that's not going to make it through the Holy Spirit security check. Come on, somebody. It's just not going to make it through. The Holy Spirit's like, yeah, that, you know, anger? Yeah, no, that, that doesn't do well, right? Malice, that's not going to work either. Jealousy, oh, that, you know, that really is not something that, that is on, part of your, your destination of eternity, your eternal journey, if you will, it just really can't go with you on this trip. So the Holy Spirit will check you on those things. And then, of course, with our mind, the things that we load our mind with, uh, the things that we think, the ideas that we ponder, if you will, uh, have a way of, of, of sinking down into the heart and becoming a part of us. And I said that the larger bag that we check, you know, you could kind of, as an illustration, say that that's the one that uh, we need for the longer journey. And let me say that your lifetime is quite the journey. Getting to eternity, you know, uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a person thinks in their heart, so are they, is what another translation says. That we actually think with our heart. But it kind of begins with the mind, right? We process with the mind. Information comes in through the mind. We meditate on it and then it drops down and it becomes a part of us. And then, like I say, what it begins to do is you see that manifestation of emotion. A lot to do with our emotions and how it, it affects us. So if you think of your soul, say my soul. Your soul is made of your mind, your emotions, and your will. Now, a lot of people say mind, will, and emotions, right? And that's fine. But what I want to tell you is, is that really you don't, like, you don't have a bag of will so much as you do your emotions in your mind, what you think and how you feel affects what you decide to do. You assert your will according to how you feel and what you think. And the only thing that you're going to have a place where that gets kind of checked is if you've hidden his word in your heart, as the psalmist said, that you might not, say might not, 
And look, yeah, that's a comforting thing for us as believers, right? The psalmist, David, he says, you know, I've, his word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against him. David was not prideful enough to think, I hid his word in my heart and I'll never sin against him. Think about Peter, he's walking along with Jesus and he's like, uh, Jesus is like, you know, you're all going to run from me when I go to the cross. And now paraphrasing this, uh, and it's like, Lord, uh, I'll never leave you. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever said that to Jesus? You know, you get say, it's like, Lord, I'll never leave you. And then somebody cuts you off in traffic. You're like, yeah, you too, buddy. Right? Come on now. Huh? Your wife disrespect you men and, and, and nothing but anger flare up in you. You know, your husband, you know, you don't feel like he's loving you. And, and so what happens is you don't want to serve him. You don't want to, you don't want to honor him. Come on. What? Come on now. You're looking at me and you're all like, I never do that. <laughs> your kids won't behave, right? And, you know, I was telling Jeannie the other day, I said, there's certain things that happen in your life. It just causes your cheese to slide off your cracker. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And, you know, things happen and you're just like, you know. Anybody ever, you know, yell at their kids and they knew that they were wrong the way that they treated them? Anyway, you can't give me an amen on that? bunch of you a bunch of righteous people in here you're righteous or you're self-righteous one or the other and I can remember moments with my kids man they'd do some stuff and I'd get really ticked off and you know the interesting thing is, is my two daughters are sitting right here talking while I preach yes they are sir. <laughs> oh hallelujah um but but you know I love telling this is one of my favorite stories when I when I share a message of God does this kind of thing with us right how how we go through life, the things that we pack away. And if we, if we get, I'm going to pack in my bag that if somebody wrongs me, I'm going to get revenge. Come on. Somebody wrong, I'm going to point the finger of accusation. Anybody know who the accuser of the brethren, the sisters and brothers in Christ are? Who's the accuser of the brethren? Can anybody in here tell me? The devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that comes accusing and pointing fingers. And I tell you what, man, you, you ever heard the, 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 the statement, right? It's, it's kind of a cliche statement. It, you know, if you're pointing your finger at somebody, what happens? You got what? Three pointing back at you. Now, there ain't a person in here that's any more innocent than the person sitting next to them. Everybody has faults. Everybody has stuff, as we saw in that video, that you pack in the bag of life, your heart, your mind, your emotions, and what happens is your will starts asserting according to what is going on the bags that you pack look you can't wear something you don't take with you oh that was better than you let on you can look if you're going on a trip you cannot wear something you didn't take with oh man that's back at home in my drawer I really wish I'd have brought my swimming trunks we went to the beach come on now you got to pack for your destination and I want you to know there's a lot of things that we can't pack in this heavenly destination. We can't pack in our bag to, to, to get to our heavenly destination. You know? Didn't Jesus say, many will say in that day when they stand before him, Lord, Lord, didn't we? Didn't we lay hands on the sick? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do all these works? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. I mean, I would say that's a day that you're, you're I mean, you're just kind of strolling up into heaven. Come on, I need... I like this blue bag. Who likes that blue bag there? I don't like that. Right? You just, man, I'm going to heaven. This is awesome. And you get there, and you're kind of like, Lord, check this out. Look at everything. I can't open this thing. You get my point. 
Next time I need to prep that. You open your bag and you're like, Lord, look at all this stuff I did for your kingdom. Isn't that awesome? He's like, depart from me, I never knew you. You didn't pack, you didn't pack devotional life. You didn't pack a personal relationship with me in your bag. Somebody says, I don't know you. You think you got a relationship with them, but they say, I don't know who you are. I mean, come on, that's a pretty, that's a rough day. That's, you know, that's like arriving at the airport, right? And you got your tickets, and you show up, and they say, yeah, no, your ticket's not good for this flight. You made all the preparations. You took vacation off from work. You did all these things to set yourself up to go on this wonderful trip. And they're like, uh, yeah, we don't know you for this flight. We don't know you uh, heading out for this destination, so you're not going to go. You all hearing where I'm coming from? It's very, very important for us to understand that our uh, relational contraband cannot go on our trip. Anybody know what contraband is? Right? All those things the TSA says you can't take on a trip with you, it's contraband. <laughs> it's not allowed to go, right? Let me read the definition of contraband to you. The adjective imported or exported illegally. You can't get into heaven any other way but through Jesus Christ. You know, uh, you know, the, it's, it's, you know, the sheep come through the gate. The shepherd's the one that opens the gate, right? He's, Jesus referred to himself as being the door to the sheepfold. I can't come into the family of God, into the kingdom of God, and I certainly can't enter into heaven my own way. I'm going to have to go God's way. And what is that? Jesus said about himself, I am the truth, the way, and the life. We have to enter in through Christ, amen? Can't, can't enter any other, it's, it's illegal to enter. He says a thief and a robber is the one that enters by another way. We can't go any other way but through Jesus Christ. Uh, and we do this, now listen, either in defiance or, uh, uh, of a total ban or without payment of duty. Now Jesus is paid, but have you accepted his payment? You get where I'm coming from here. He's the one that gives you access. Have you accepted that payment? So, or it's, it's by defiance. It's like, well, I'm going to do my own thing and go my own way. I don't know if any of you know, but the Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of, can anybody finish that statement? Witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And if we get rebellion in our heart towards God, let me say, um, we're just packing a bag to get to the destination. Because look, everybody is going to stand before Christ. One, Everybody's on this trip. Everybody's on this journey. We're all going to arrive. But when we get there, can we, can we get through the security check? Is, the, is it going to be the things that are in us or what Christ has produced or what we ourselves feel like, you know, is good enough? Jesus is the only way. Let me uh, share with you the, the, some synonyms for it. Prohibited, banned, forbidden. Let's do this, because I did in the first sermon, I talked about shame and guilt. Shame and guilt in your life are prohibited on your Christian journey. Did you know that? Condemnation is prohibited on this Christian journey. So when we hear things that confront sin or confront, as I said, we got to lay aside those weights and sins that, that set us back or keep us from pressing towards that mark or pursuing the call of God on our life, these cloud of witnesses, people who've gone before us and they follow Jesus, that, that we've got to get rid of that stuff that keeps us from uh, following Christ and, and being an example for others as well. Jesus paid the price 
but you have to accept this sacrifice. That'd be a good thing to write down. Jesus paid the price, but you have to accept his sacrifice. See, when I have a destination that I'm set on, there's nothing in my bag that I'm not unwilling to part with to go to my destination. Anybody ever get there and they're like, yeah, you can't take this with you? I had a bottle of cologne that Angie bought for me one time. And it was when all the things were changing. I can't remember. Is it like 2.5 ounces or something you can take with you? Is that anybody else that travels? Is it three ounces? Three ounces that can go with you. And this thing had six ounces in it. And, and it, was, it was nice, expensive cologne. You know, and, and I got it in my bag. And I get there and it's full. It's brand new. I mean, I, I, I literally like the day before, I think, you know, uh, it was a Sunday, so I come to church, and I wore my cologne. And then, you know, I got up in the morning, took a shower to go to the airport, and I wore my cologne, and I put it in my bag, and I get there. And, um, and they're like, yeah, this can't go with you. I'm like, what? Like, no, it can't go with you. It's contraband because it exceeds the ounce, so, so it violates, you know, if you will, the law. And I'm like, dude, like, my wife paid, like, you know, $40 for that, man. Like, that's really nice cologne and she really likes it and he's like yeah you can't take it with you and I'm thinking to myself you devil if you want to steal my cologne the enemy comes to kill steal and destroy right but the only way he can kill steal and destroy in your life listen listen my people perish for a lack of knowledge see I had a lack of knowledge when I arrived there he get to take three ounces and I got six and for my lack of knowledge, I lost something my wife gave me that was very special to me. And, and it's the way that it is with God. Through Christ, he's given us so much. And we lose it for our lack of knowledge. The enemy comes to kill, still and destroy in our life. But the only way he can get in and do that is if we don't have the knowledge of God, right? In our mind, in our heart, and manifest in our emotions. My feelings should never trump what God's word says. My mind should never trump what God's word says. And my heart certainly should never trump what God's word says. You ever heard somebody say, you know, but I've got a good heart. Come on, anybody? You know what the Bible says? This is what I'm saying about my people perish for a lack of knowledge. You start thinking you've got a good heart, let me tell you, the devil's already set you up. Come on, you all need to say amen somewhere in this house. All right? <laughs> Here's the deal. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things who can know it. Let me tell you, Jesus, God, God is the only one that can know your heart to that level. And this is why it's so, so important to consult him, to find out, God, you know, let me do it this way. Jesus, I thank you for giving your life for me. Holy Spirit, would you speak to me, help me, guide me as I read God's word? So this is what Jesus said. I'll pray the Father and he'll send the promised Holy Spirit. He'll send the Holy Spirit who will guide you into all truth. You can't guide yourself. God's word is there to direct you, but you need the Holy Spirit to guide you while you study the word of God. Yeah. Why? I'm quoting a lot of scriptures this morning because the Bible says the spirit, the, the spirit the, and the word, they agree. They agree. See, we can get an interpretation about God's scriptures, but the reality is, is we need the spirit of God to set down on it to make it a revelation to us so that we live it out. We don't just talk it out. Come on now. Right? Okay, let me get moving here. So we have that destination. We're set on going to that destination. Don't be unwilling to give something up that's not allowed to go. We have all 
been wounded, we've been hurt, we've gone through things in our life, but the Bible says to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. You've got to guard it, You've got to protect it, or what starts to come out may not look like God at all, amen? Say this with me, I don't want to, I don't want to cope, I want to change. I don't want to cope, I want to change. Listen to this, Genesis, our scripture here. Genesis eleven twenty seven through 28. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Naor, and Haran. And Haran uh, became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. You got that? This is the son of Terah, one of the sons, Abram, who became Abraham later right? That was his brother. Now here's what we know. Is there any parent in here that would want to bury their children? Nope. I want my children to bury me. I don't want to bury them. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Tara obviously had, you know, a, a major, um, tragedy that had taken place losing one of his children. And, and so what happens though, is that we, we hear the story of where God calls Abram to get out from among his people and go to Canaan. Isn't that correct? Did you know that his father Terah was the one that began that journey to come out of Canaan and go, or come out of uh, Ur and go to Canaan? Did you know that? Because we hear about Abraham, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I've read this before, but it, it really grabbed me this time. And here, here's what happens. Let's go to Genesis 11, uh, 31 through 32. Keeping in mind, he, the premature death of his son had to be a major tragedy and here he sets out to go to Canaan. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, uh, excuse me, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, it, it, you know, there's not enough detail to say this is exactly what was going on there. But you got to look at, so this tragedy takes place, and he sets out for Canaan. And he comes, on his way to Canaan, he comes to a town that's named after his son. And somehow, he doesn't end up going on to Canaan. He stays in, in Haran. And then we know the story goes on that Abram gets a call from God to get out from among his kinfolk and go to a land that will show him as a land of Canaan, which is Israel now, right? And so um, one of the things that we, we see that happens here, I, I think, is that um, where Terah is in this place and why he lands in a, in a city that's called Haran and then doesn't continue on to where he was going. I believe that many of us have things that take place in our life. And what happens is, is we can get stuck. We can get stuck in that place and not move on to where God's called us. We don't get to our destination. We start putting things in our bag, if you will. And what ends up happening is we're not packed for the journey of where God's called us to go. We're only packed to go as far as, if you will, our troubles or our challenges, our offenses, um, and tragedies uh, take us. So, so what do we need to do? We've got to recognize relational contraband. 
We've got to recognize relational contraband. This was a relationship, a premature death. His son dies, and he's going to head to Canaan, and he stops in Haran, and he doesn't go on to Canaan. Where are you today? Are you stuck somewhere that isn't the destination that God's called you to? And if you were to look at it from an eternal perspective, and you see yourself heading to a heavenly home one day, but, but you're stuck in some of these things that, that go contrary to the kingdom of God, how important is it to get rid of the relational contraband in your life? To recognize relational contraband, we've got to, to see that, you know, maybe it's that divorce that you went through that you just can't seem to get over. You're stuck there with relational contraband. Is Jesus big enough to heal that? Is Jesus big enough to forgive you? Is he big enough? Wait, listen, we all believe that Jesus, for the most part, is big enough to forgive us for our sins. We just have a problem when it comes to their sins. Come on now. <laughs> I know Jesus forgives me, but that person, I mean, really, they ought to go to hell. <laughs> this is going to be good for you today. There's obviously some... <laughs> Look, the divorce that defines you, the toxic relationship that defines you, the failure that defines you. Think of being a kid and how many times I was told I was stupid and would never amount to anything that, that I ought to just, you know, basically be a dick, ditch digger the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. I've dug a lot of ditches in my time. And honestly, manual labor didn't bother me. My wife could attest to that. You know, People do what they do. My point is, is that the words that were spoken to me is you're stupid. And it stuck. And when I married my wife, I remember I started going to college. Remember that? I mean, I, literally, anybody ever <clears throat> stepped out of their comfort zone and done something that's so far beyond what you think you can do that you literally, I mean, I'm trembling. I, I remember going to class. And I mean, I'm sitting, I'm trembling, sitting in that classroom. Those words rang out in my ears. You know, because I grew up on a farm and some of the things that took place, I mean, one year, I mean, I'm like 60 days of school that I missed. Come on, somebody, that's like not right. You got a lot of catching up to do when those kind of things happen. And, and I remember teachers saying, you know what, it'd be best for you to just be a farmer. And you know what, there's nothing wrong with that either. I, I enjoyed farming, except for how hard the work is. How early you got to get up in the morning and how late you go to bed at night, Right. And I remember, and so it's hard for a kid to focus on his studies when he gets to school and he's been up all night on a tractor getting the crop out because the rain's coming. And, and, and you know, three o'clock in the morning, you're rolling in on the tractor at, at like, I was in the first grade. That's all I know. How old are you in the first grade? I'm old now. I can't remember that stuff. How old? Six, what? Six or seven, right? Seven, six. And I remember getting in there and all of a sudden I'm, I'm sitting there in class, and I'm like, and my head hits the table, and I was so tired, and so what they do is, I guess, you know, I fell asleep at my desk, they put me on a cot, uh, in, in, a, in like a, there's a storage area next to it, and it's this landing area, and they put me on this cot next to the teacher's lounge, and I literally slept through almost the whole day, and I wake up, and I didn't know where I was, I'm looking around like, well, how did I get here? And I, I come in and they're like, honey, you just, we couldn't wake you up. My point in that is this, is that the same people that are calling me stupid 
are the ones that are kind of setting me up for stupidity. Come on now. You got you to gotta be careful, right? In that situation, I look back on that and all the work I had to do to climb out of where I was, I could have gotten stuck and been offended and, and just angry at those people. But I know when Jesus saved me, there wasn't anything I didn't let go of. That bag, it's like I start going through my bag. See, I'm starting this eternal journey, and I start going through the bag, and I'm like, yeah, that hate goes out, that unforgiveness goes out, that offense goes out, that hurt goes out. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for it all, and not just for me, but also for them. We get that kind of attitude. What happens is we get the kind of uh, uh, one of my uh, coaches in life right now, his name's Sean Lovejoy, and, and Sean... Sean will, uh, he'll say, look, man, you just need to get your spiritual swagger back. I'm like, my what? Your spiritual swagger. I'm like, okay, define that for me, because I, I don't know where swagger's in the Bible. You know, a pep in your step. I'm like, where's that in the Bible? He said, look, man, David was down in the dumps, and what happened was he went and spent some time with God, put on a linen ephod, and hung out with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Got a little bit of God time, and it changed his perspective. And where he's down in the dumps, he comes strolling out of this cave where he's playing. He's like, hey, uh, I know the Philistines stole our wives, our kids, everything we own, but uh, here's what we're going to go do. We're going to go get it back. Get your spiritual swagger back in your life. Don't be stuck where you are. Move on to where God's called you to be. Recognize the relational contraband in your life because relationships have that effect. I remember my kids were growing up. I'm like, here's, here's how it goes. You, you are what you read who you hang around and what you watch. The stuff you allow in your mind and in your heart will somehow bleed over into what you feel you need to do. And when that starts to happen and you assert your will and you're going a direction that's opposite of what God's called you to do, um, destruction starts to come. You ever hear the phrase, bad things happen to good people? They certainly do. They certainly do. Who's good? Is there any good but God? No. But something about God looks at us and says we're good enough to save and bring into his family. Come on, somebody. So let God do that. Don't hang on to things. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck halfway to your destination. Move on to your destination no matter what's happened. There are behaviors that we pack in our bags that we need to remove uh, where it comes to our relationships. The contraband of unforgiveness. Write it down. The contraband of unforgiveness, the contraband of bitterness, the contraband of anger, the contraband of malice, the contraband of hopelessness, 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 contraband of blame. Come on, somebody. My life would be better if it wasn't for them. Huh? Unpack that stuff. The contraband of offense, the contraband of sin contraband of shame, guilt, pride, arrogance, self-righteousness. Are you getting anything today? I don't want to stay in error, right? I don't want to stay in error and never move forward. I don't want to go halfway and get stuck in Haran. What I want to do is I want to get to Canaan. I want to get to God's promises. Remember, that's what it symbolized in their lives was it was the promised land. I want to get to the promise of God in my life. And I'm not talking about just the blessings of finance and things. I'm speaking to you about a genuine, authentic, just, just we're talking as real as it gets kind of relationship with Jesus. Amen.
When you think of destination, I want you to write this down. Your destination in Christ is your destiny. Is what God has destined for you, right? Those that God foreknew, right? He preordained that you would arrive and be exactly who, you called, who he called you to be and where he's called you to be at the time he's called you to be there, amen? So follow him. So here, here, um, let me give you these three points here. Um, when we get a relational contraband in our life, it keeps us from our potential. Pain makes you do crazy things. Come on. Hey, hey, let me ask this question. Anybody in here ever been stabbed? Amen. You're like, oh, I ain't raising my hand on it. Come on, have you, anybody ever been stabbed? Shot? He did. <laughs> now, Angie and I find out things our kids have done to each other as they've gotten older. They tell all those stories. What? You know, I think you get where I'm coming from. Pain will make you do crazy things, folks. Listen to this, Psalms 73 and 21 through 22. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and arrogant. <laughs> senseless and ignorant, sorry. <laughs> that was ignorant. Uh, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. Anybody ever been there? Right? Grieved heart. You know, somebody hurts you, it's like, I'm taking you out. Right? <laughs> Two, it pollutes our connection with others. Relational contraband pollutes our connection with others. Hebrews 12, 15 says this in the Phillips translation. A bitter spirit is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. Hmm. You ever been bitter and you just can't help but poison everybody else around you? Come on. Listen, it can make us defensive, demanding, domineering, detracting, distant, and dysfunctional. And the big one, dysfunctional, right? So defensive, you you get hurt and what happens is you're on defense, you don't trust anybody. Demanding, you want everybody to do what you want them to do. Domineering, eh, kind of the same, but but having that controlling spirit about you. Detracting, uh, you can't give anybody credit for anything. You know, even if they do something good, you just can't honor them for it. Distant, aloof, you know, I, you isolate yourself when you're in that place of distrust, and what happens is, is it's, it's not healthy for you. It certainly doesn't work for your journey in eternal things. Why? Because Christ has called us together, amen? Having gifts differing, right? We all have gifts differing, but we're all part of one body. He, he wants us to be a body of believers, and that means there has to be healthy, excuse me, healthy relationships. Number three, pushes us away from God. Relational contraband pushes us away from God. Our relationships with people are uh, inseparable from our relationship with God. What's that mean? They basically uh, love God, love others. What's Gateway's vision? To love God, love others, and make disciples. What is making disciples? Teaching people how to love God and love others. And so as we do that, what happens is is it's kind of like, look, man, it's like, but I love God so much, but that person over there, I just, you know, I can't stand them. And God's like, well, if you can't stand them, if you can't love your brother whom you can see, the scripture says, I think it's First John, if you can't love your brother who, who you can see, your sister who you can see, right, then how can you love God who you have not seen? Come on now. The manifestation of God's love in your life will be that you're able to love the people around you. Huh? Look up at that. See that? 
even if they're unlovable. Jesus loved the, the whole world so much that he, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus evidently loved us. He is God, but in human form, all that he had to wrestle with to give his life for us, he was willing to do it. Why? Because of love. And we need to be a people that love. Amen. Listen to Mark eleven twenty five. When you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge uh, against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. You are unable to receive what God wants to give you if you're un- unwilling to give. You can't receive from God if you're unwilling to give what God gives you. You, you getting that? What God puts in your life, you've got to be willing to give to other people. Or what happens? It's like the spout shuts off. The supply is always there as long as it's coming through you to somebody else. But the moment you say, yeah, I'm going to keep this for myself and I'm not going to share. I'm, you know, I, thank you for forgiving me, Lord, but I'm not going to share forgiveness. And what happens is, is it, it, it's a shocking thing when you don't feel God's presence and you don't feel that closeness that you do when you have a forgiving and, and, and tender heart. Amen. Uh, listen to Matthew 6, 12 through 14. Forgive, think about how this flows into the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we what? Have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Wouldn't it be awesome if I just said, hey, you know what? Your heavenly Father will forgive you. Don't worry about forgiving anybody else. Wouldn't that be great? Like, this is awesome. What a deal this is. Problem is, is then we're not like God. And he wants to make us like him. We're not him, but he does want to make us like him. Amen? All right, let's move along. Here's how we remove the contraband. Here's how we remove the contraband. Before I can remove the contraband, I have to recognize it, number one, as such. Psalms 147, uh, in verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Let God heal your heart and bind up your wounds so that you're able to turn and do that for someone else. Pack forgiveness and love and mercy and grace in your journey. Amen. Number one, here's what we do to remove the contraband. Reveal the hurt. And keep it to yourself. Look, get in a life group. Get in some mentoring relationships. Get around people where you can be honest and transparent with. Right? And let me say this to everybody in here. If people do that with you, uh, you know, don't, don't be uh, the cliche phrase of what they used to say about Christians or maybe still do, I don't know. I think people are a little more, uh, they're a little better at it today. But, but if it flows into being gossip or sharing that story, if you will, they used to say, if you want something to get around, telephone, telegram, tell a Christian. Don't be that kind of Christian where somebody opens up and, and really just, you know, gets vulnerable and what happens is you go and tell everybody what they said to you. If somebody trusts you enough to tell you something like that, it should motivate you to pray with them and to be an accountability to them. Say, hey, how you doing? I want to encourage you. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of like Jesus, right? Invite them, right? Be inviting, encouraging, but also challenge them. Like, you know better. Man, step up. Come on. Jesus died on the cross for you so you could be free, not so you could stay in your mess. Amen? Um, Psalms uh, 32 and 3, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Don't keep silent. Find people that you can trust and, and, and uh, open yourself up so that you can heal. Uh, Psalms 39 and 2, it says, But when I was silent and still, not even saying anything good, my anguish increased. 
you got to find something good. you got to begin to call those things that aren't as though they were. Speak life into your situation. Don't just accept the death that's going. Don't accept the destruction. Don't accept what the devil's bringing, but grab a hold of what God wants to see you enjoy. Amen? Number two, release. Release the people involved. Remove the contraband. Release the people involved. Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times seven, answered Jesus. Anybody, you know what that is? Huh? Jesus answered, I tell you, so the up to seven times seven is what the scripture, that's what the law said, right? But here's what happened. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Woo! Anybody? 490. <laughs> In a day. Anyone? Raise your hand if somebody's actually wronged you 490 times in one day. I don't have anybody like that in my life. What Jesus basically was saying, like, uh, basically non-ending, over and over and over again. Here, here, here's what the Bible says about God. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. What Jesus invites us to do is like, look, I know when people wrong you it may hurt, but you know, it doesn't hurt as much as the cross. The Bible talks about it's not unto death. Anybody died by forgiving somebody? Come on. Forgive people. Let them go. Release the people involved in your hurt. Listen to this. How many of you like revenge? Don't go to that slide yet. How many of you like revenge? You know, when, you, when somebody wrongs you, how many of you go to, oh, I just, Lord, forgive them for that? Or how many of you go, how can I get back at them? I mean, how many, I mean, you know what I'm saying. How many of you, uh, you know, like, sit and think about it? <laughs> right? That kind of thing. Come on. Hey, I've hung out with some of you all. I know better. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm, I could do this. I could do that. Let me tell you, um, I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebook. And let me just go ahead and say, I know this. I've seen some stuff posted that's not so nice. I'll watch people post, and this is one thing. You go, you can go, go through my timeline, scroll through it. You'll never, ever find me say derogatory things towards people or make the innuendo. Here's the meme that says, you know, you ever deal with that kind of jerk over there, blah, 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 you know, and it's basically laying your situation out. Now, here's the problem with that. They're probably friends with you on Facebook, and it's your way of telling them what you want to tell them, but, oh, no, I didn't mean that for you. That doesn't just make you uh, vengeful, it also makes you a liar. Oh man, I know, I'm in a category, I better get out of there. <laughs> Worst thing is, is that if you're doing that at your age, and your kids are watching that, because they're probably, if they're on Facebook, they're more than likely on Instagram and other things, that are, I don't even know all of them now. But what I know is that some of the stuff I see, and then I see teenagers doing it and I see kids doing it, you know, where they're posting stuff and they're just airing all their junk about other people on social media, which is out there forever. And if the Bible says that you'll give an account for every idle word you speak, do you think honestly because it's typed in a meme or a messenger? Who's got an actual physical Bible? I need a physical. Everybody's like, no, dude, I got an app. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. If God wrote it down, 
And he said, not one jot nor tittle. That's a dotting of an eye, a crossing of a T. Not, none of this is going to pass away before the end. Right? And if you add to it or take it away. So in Revelation it says, if you add to this, the plagues will be added to you. The basically, judgment's going to be added to you. And if you take away from it, he'll take away your right to the kingdom of God. Now, if that's that important to God, and he says we give account for every idle word we speak, I'm sorry, my heart actually is heavy, and I'm overwhelmed sometimes to see some of the stuff that people will post, and in the next breath, post things that are, oh, God's so good. And it's going on everywhere, folks. And let me say that we're the church here, but we're not the church on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I beg to differ. I will tell you that, the, that I'll, I'll, I'll say this. You do more communication through that kind of stuff for the most part than you do here or, or anywhere. I'm, you know, well, when I go to work, you know, I kind of can't talk about my faith. I might get fired. Come on. Can I get an amen? But when you're on, online, you're posting, and you're like, my boss sucks, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I love Jesus so much. Am I right? And I would say that, like I said last week, the church needs to do some repenting. Why? Because you're packing the wrong things in your bags when you do that. It's not what God means you to take on your journey. And trust me, social media is not going away unless there's, you know, a major EMP. Some people are like, what's that? (laughs) Electromagnetic pulse. (laughs) And all technology's gone. Now, I know that I probably, look, for the most part, people won't see me come in their Facebook stuff or Instagram and post anything. And if I do, as a pastor to you, know this, it's, it's because I love you. But for the most part, I won't. I feel like it's walking in your house. Hey, what's going on in here? You know, because it's your personal, right? It, it's kind of, you know, your, your Facebook, is you, that's your Facebook. And I go in there like, hey, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. But, but a lot of people are doing that, right? And let me throw one last one at you and I'll move on, okay? I know, I've been stomping on your toes. Hmm. No, I'm, I'm done with that. Now I forget what I was going to say. I don't. Um, yeah, no, that's not it. Um, I think the thing about that is like to show everyone respect. You know, don't become the Facebook mafia. You know, you're going to control or manipulate and tell everybody what they need to be doing. And it is a form of expression. We do see people that are going through things and it gives us an ability to to reach out to them. But I would say be careful of being sucked into things that that have a, a form of gossip to them because I want you to know gossip is a major relationship contraband. Gossip does not work for building unity and love, mercy and grace and truth in people's life. You all hear me on this. So I challenge you to that, you know. Uh, what you would live if Jesus was sitting right in front of you. You know, you're saying, do, 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 do. hey, Jesus, what's up? Yeah, delete, 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 you know. Every time you're doing this, I know it's cliche, WWJD. Can anybody say what that means? What would Jesus do? See how you did that? You know, mm, what would Jesus do? Not that, delete, Right? I'm telling you, watch yourself there because it is, it is a major part of people's lives. So 
release the people involved. Revenge, here's what revenge is. Revenge is, is backward looking, whereas uh, rationality is forward looking. So the two fail to engage. They can't engage. Something going backwards and something going forward, they, they, they can't come together. So be forward looking. That was Alan Hamlin that said that. Jesus is our example. And I wrap up with this. First Peter 2.23 When they hurled, hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. To him who judges justly, meaning God. And the final point in how we unpack the contraband, if you will. Refocus on God's plan for your life. Refocus on God's plan for your life. Genesis 15, 19 through 20. Am I in the place of God? You intended me to, uh, to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. That's about Joseph. His brothers sold him into slavery. Joseph's life was not fun. And when it came to the final moment of what God had destined him, he arrived where God intended him to be and what others did to him while they intended wrong, God used it to work good. He works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So never rule God out of your situation and watch him work a miracle to bring you where you need to be, exactly when you need to be there, the way he wants you to be there. Amen? As I close today, I want you to focus on the screens. I want you to see the scripture as I read it. Job eleven thirteen through 16 says, put your heart right, reach out to God, then face the world again, firm and courageous. That's that spiritual swagger. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. I've heard people say, I can forgive it, but I can't forget it. I beg to differ. God's word says that you can. And yes, I get that we have memories, but your, your recollection of it will not be the same as it was. All the abuse that I had growing up, when I look back on it, I can look back on the person that abused me and say, I honestly hope that he finds Christ and he's forgiven and that he can go to heaven. And you know that I have family members that witnessed that abuse and suffered some of it themselves. And when they look at that person, they hope they go to hell, directly to hell. Do not pass go, go directly to hell. And I want to tell you, that's just not, in the, it's just not in the heart of Christ to banish people to hell. He wants to give everybody an opportunity to, to repent of their sins and be forgiven. Amen. Here's our questions. Is there contraband in your heart? In the bag of your heart, do you have things stuffed away that shouldn't be in there? Is there contraband in your mind? Is there contraband in your emotions? Is there contraband, for that matter, in your, physical, in your body? Paul said that I would that you present yourselves to Christ right? Holy, spirit, soul, and body. The final question then, as you stand to your feet this morning, I want to pray over you. I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes.